Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee wishing you better brain health. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, aloha. Sol here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. As we dive in, I think it's important to be mindful of how our lives are so much different than others, specifically those people that are currently trying to become balanced again in France. The events that happened in Paris, I do not wish to exploit, but at the same time, I wish to make us all mindful that all things considered, folks, I consider myself to be living a very blessed life. The more I become awake and aware the more centered I become. The more centered I become, the more chaos that happens, I am less affected by that chaos. Anybody else have similar feelings as they're doing their awakening work? The more awake you become, have you found yourself being more centered, more focused? Yeah, I'm very grateful for the life I'm living now, for what I'm doing with all of you guys. It's incredible. I'm very, very aware of how lucky I am, how lucky I am to have ran into you guys. It looks very interesting because I don't stay plugged into the mainstream news. So I heard about the whole Paris thing basically because everybody on Facebook was talking about it. So then I went and he got educator and you know, found out a little bit about what was going on. What was interesting for me was I watched what was going on, chose to not have an opinion. The reason I chose not to have an opinion was because the best gift I could give anybody in this world is my peace. Bingo. 
part of our journey together, it is my hope and desire that as you're waking up more fully to who you are, why you're here, what you're called to do, that as the demands of that awakening process happens, much like a kid walking into a combined candy and toy store, as I've become more awake and aware, I've become more awake and aware of what I can do. There are times where I'm like, oh, look at that, 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 and I could spend months, oh, look at that, and do really not much. (laughs) 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 Because I'm just dazzled at how many different ways I can do, called to do. So part of my hope with our journey together is as you do your own ahas, have your own awakenings, have your own release of things that need to be released, that the people that you know, the people you care for, in those moments when they're experiencing a difficult moment, whether it's through a a storm or a death in the family or just a rotten day, you can be there for them in a very centered, healthy, peaceful state. So that's a byproduct of this. So As you look through chapter 4, you see 14,827 different steps to do. (laughs) Allow yourself the luxury of knowing that uh, you're doing something for a larger cause. Marcia, you and I were talking about that we would like to hear from folks how they're doing on this first dip into chapter 4, yeah? Yes, that's a good question. How is everybody doing? as they start their timeline. (laughs) Uh, I'll just jump in. I started my timeline, I probably did, I think it was step five first. (laughs) Before I read one, two, or three, or four. I've had it up now for a little over a week, maybe even into two weeks. The first thing that went up on my timeline were when my children were born. My daughter and I have been playing together with the timeline up on the wall here. Once she whips off the colored pencil, puts something up there, and then my little girl to read it. Like, you guys are going to love this. She wrote November 11, 2015, Dad and Katie are water unicorns, aquapricorns. <laughs> Their friend told her that she's no longer an Aquarius. We're no longer Aquarius. She's like, no, (laughs) I'm making my own. (laughs) She put it up on the timeline. We're just having a lot of fun with this explorer and really enjoying that together. And today I spent a good hour and a half with the financial stuff, which for me is a big deal. I have historically chose to look at financial stuff as a burden. And it was very interesting to put that piece up, especially today, and really start to look at the pattern, start to look at, ooh, increased income. Oh, next year, crash and burn. Oh, increased income. There was no other precipitating factor other than the increased income for the crash and burn. And it was like, oh, wow, you got some money beliefs to work on there, buddy. (laughs) And so that was really interesting. To, to put that particular piece up there, kind of where's the plateau? At what income point do I get uncomfortable in myself? Then what's the where the and then now I'll start looking at those beliefs and working on the tools that I always preach with letting go of those beliefs. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> well, David, that's exactly how I started. 
I just drew my timeline out, and I think I did it in decades. I started with when my children were born, because that helped me to remember, period, during raising my kids, what happened. I have to rely on memory with what I was making as an income, but I did start that, at that point, just like you did. It doesn't have to be where you start with layer one. You just have to start it. Start anywhere. Yes. I started when I first started earning money. Then I figured after that I went, I thought, well, gosh, there must be a good way to chunk things up. The only thing I could come up with is my marriages. My first marriage, we made a certain income. Then I got divorced. I got married again. We made a totally different income. Then I got divorced again. Rick and I made a totally different income. One thing I do notice about it, that although I did have a lot higher income on the previous two marriages, I was not happy. It doesn't always take a lot of money to be happy. I got my grandchildren involved, and they're cutting pictures and out and things that remind me of different things. Of course, I show them which pictures I want them to cut out. They do that. They're interested in doing that, getting that far with it. My job is to try to figure out what I'm going to do with all the pictures. <laughs> i got so many years to cover that I'm going to have to somehow get it down a little bit to where I can just hit the highlights or something. Yeah. Then you'll start seeing more. It will help you to remember. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of make an outline or something to get it in order. Just remember, you're perfectionist. You do not have to allow that perfectionist to get in there because you can't remember the exact year or the exact amount because that's going to stop you. Just remember, even just a guess yeah. mm-hmm. is good enough. Yeah, okay. That's where I'm at now. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, Agnes, what primary feeling is coming up for you as you do this? Well, I see things that most everything's pleasant that I'm thinking about, things that I remember more way back than I do recent. I may have to start mine backwards or something. I'm not sure. (laughs) No right way or wrong way on all of this. (laughs) Maybe I'll start at the beginning, jump to the middle, and jump to the end and back again. (laughs) Perfect. Anyhow, I'll get it done. Can you tell that this is an organic thing as we segue to Chris? Can you tell that it's like a popcorn popper? One thing pops and then that pops three other things and then that pops four other things and then, oh, now I remember this and now I remember that. (laughs) Yes, I think so. (laughs) I got a bunch of popcorn poppers going on here. (laughs) Going to be getting the input of my mom and my friends are going to help me like write on it. When it comes to the relationship part and everything. Are you, Chris, having a sense of adventure? Yes, absolutely. Yum. Kareem. I'm having a lot of fun with it because I'm getting to look back and getting to see what's going to happen forward with my life. I'm seeing where I was before and I'm seeing how I incrementally improved my worth. Different other aspects of my life day to day. Knowing that, I know that in due time, I can be where I want to be. I think that's the fun of doing any timeline in general. But I definitely think it helps your worth 
when you can see incrementally how you're growing and say, before I was afraid to ask people to buy my stuff or was afraid to charge people money. I was afraid to ask people for what I thought I could have. Now that you look back and you say, oh, the new me isn't afraid. Not only am I not afraid, I'm excited to do it. It changes your whole perspective. How did you all decide to go plow through steps one through eight, get all your ingredients together so that when you sat down with your timeline, you could start putting things on? Or have you decided to do like one step that gather all of something together and then plot it and then gather all of something together and then plot it? Who's approaching it which way? I can tell you what I did. I gathered all the ingredients I need, and basically all I needed was a pen, Post-it notes, I just bought some wrapping paper, Christmas wrapping paper that was on sale, and I'm using the back of it. (laughs) I have it taped on a mirror right now. It looks like a horror story. (laughs) I don't know. You can't tell what it is, but there's so many Post-it notes, and I have Post-it notes. I can kind of pinpoint straight to a part of the timeline. If there's a happy face, then I know something good happened. And if there's an unhappy face that I made, I know something bad happened. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So camera and take a picture of that soon. It's much like a musician creating and scoring a piece of music. You all are creating your scores, your life scores, yeah? Yeah. I can feel Cheryl's creativity about to just literally explode. Has anybody started on the relationship stuff? The step three, overall relationships, which corresponds with step, I think, 10. Well, it was very interesting for me in that my first love went up on there. My marriage went up on there. My best friend for life went up on there. A mentor went up on there. And then it was like, the rest of these folks just don't matter that much. Mm. really interesting for me. But I also noticed that I used to think of my marriage years as the dark years. <laughs> I wasn't a very good person during that time. That's totally changed for me now. I'm starting to see it more from the eyes of other folks when there's issues that come up, like, for example, if my kids say, God, Dad, you were such an asshole. Like, yep, you're right. What are we going to do about that? <laughs> it's, been in, it's been a good adventure. It's also been interesting to see where feelings for me have popped up, good positive emotions and negative emotions as well. Boy, during these key relationship periods, if I look at it, if I put up the peaks and valleys in my emotional state, it'd be just like, be like a Richter scale. Mm. Spikes of emotional stuff. I found that really interesting. We do tend to shoot the biggest rockets of desire into the universe when we meet our first love, <laughs> when we have our big relationships, <laughs> when that first mentor comes into our life and turns everything upside down. That's what I'm experiencing personally. I'm, I'm going back and experiencing each of those moments and allowing what comes up to come up. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> I had one student decide he had his online database of all of his address book, basically. And he he decided to get those labels, those really teeny tiny, like return address size labels. He printed off literally over 1,500 people 
And he stuck those labels all over to where he thought they were supposed to go on his timeline. He began to realize as he was doing that, that was one of the first things he did. Then he started plotting out other things. When he began to do a 360 view, meaning, well, now that's odd. This happened with my health. This happened with my finances. This happened with my car. These people are all really, hmm. I warned him about causality. It's easy to think that because A, B, and C happened, D was the result. I said, be careful. We're thinking causality. And I'll remind everybody about that. Be mindful of the fact that it might be tempting. The analyzer might go, well, duh, that was going to happen. <laughs> no judgment there. <laughs> so other people diving into the relationships aspect, scrapbooks, photo albums, the box of photos that grows and grows because one day you know that there's going to be this snowstorm and you're going to have four days uninterrupted to paste all those photos into the, <clears throat> the photo album. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are handy tools for this particular timeline process. Has anybody dug into their scrapbooks? I had a box of pictures that I just made copies so that I could add them to the timeline. Yeah, because pictures are memory, for sure. I started making notes on Google Docs for the financial. Year by year, I started making money when I was 11, so I started there. And then I went to relationships, sort of, and then started to look at pictures, found out that my family had been participating in the secret society. So I always had this taste in my mouth, like all the time. These people aren't telling me something. They're lying about something besides Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, and all that crap. And this, doing the timeline, has really opened it up because I found some pictures, some memorabilia that proves to me that they were participating in this and we never knew it. So it's sort of weird to me going through it. How I feel about it, like my grandmother was sort of the instigator. She was in the Eastern Star. I don't like it. She was mean to us. She, the teacher... The kind that hits your fingers when you uh, say the wrong thing. So, <laughs> if you guys are having fun, I'm so glad. I ain't having that much fun looking at that again. So that's my thing so far. Because I'm sort of stuck on that for uh, a couple of weeks now. <laughs> so I'm getting to that. I figured out my great-grandfather's lineage. I figured out that my father was actually in the society somehow. I don't know how the hell Mexican gets in there, but he did. But they were all in that to me. But that's what I figured out from just, like, looking at my financial and then looking at my personal relationships, sort of looking at photographs and then trying to figure out, holy crap, and then doing research on the Internet for old newspaper publications, which you can do now. So you can find out who's in the lodge, who's saying this, who's saying that. So pretty interesting. As I started remembering situations, events that took place in my life, some of them were, they hit me in such a way where I was feeling a bit that face of darkness that I had once been in. It did kind of trigger some feelings in me that were like, whoa, do I even want to touch it? Do I even want to go in there? Look at that. I kind of left it alone if I had to. I put the situation on there and I kind of left it alone and I kept going. As I started filling out my timeline, I started seeing 
some situations that were so awesome, so fun, I could go back to that bad situation, get over it, be able to see that, okay, I haven't forgiven this area, I guess, because it really hit me somehow. It was a sour note. I guess I better explore more. Let's get through it and forgive it already. Let's get on with my life. Bingo. Part of what this process is is a really fine scrubbing. It's like a spring cleaning. As we're going through this timeline and we're discovering some cesspools, we're discovering some swamp pits, some quicksands, <laughs> some dark holes, as we're all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, I thought I got rid of that. I thought I let that go. Marsha, I like the fact that you just acknowledged it. You didn't shove it away. You didn't go, <gasps> it didn't stop you in your tracks. You just acknowledged it, yeah? Uh-huh, yes. You, like, tabled it, and then you kept going, and as you kept going, it diffused the original impact, right? Exactly. Because my whole life wasn't all darkness, obviously. Everybody has darkness and light. So I just kept filling it out and said, oh, look at this. This was a happy moment. And then I just went back to that one moment where I said, oh, okay, let's finish it up. What do I need to do? I'm going to forgive this whole situation that took place for me. In fact, it's wonderful to be able to do the timeline, have my memory jolted to things I had forgotten. You don't want to just forget things. You want to be able to go back and forgive things. So now, Marsha, since you have been able to transit through Chapter 6, you get what you paid for, where we do a load of mental laundry. Do you see how Chapter 4 prepares you for Chapter 6? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm always preparing you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm always preparing you for the next step. The more detailed you decide to become, the more, not necessarily fastidious, but the more mindful you put yourself into this timeline process, it will reward you time and time and time again as we continue on our journey. With some hindsight now, Marsha, with the fact that you have completed Chapter 6, you've got Chapter 4's timeline. Do you want to just give them a little sneak preview of how Chapter 4 will prepare you for Chapter (laughs) 6? I'll tell you, when your timeline, when you start seeing all your life right in front of you, you realize that your memory has jolted some areas that you have a strong feeling about and it's kind of scary maybe, then you know that that is an area that you perhaps have not really forgiven. You are going to be in Chapter 6 learning how to forgive yourself as well as anything else that you need to forgive in your life so that we can start on a new slate after that. Starting on a new slate is so wonderful to be able to do because going through your mental laundry, anything that's in your life that you need to forgive, let's get that done. Forgiveness is always there. It's always been there. Unconditional love is always there. It's always been there. It's for all of us. You've really helped me see that. Because of you teaching, I've been able to forgive myself for a lot of that I had pent up for a long time, a lot of guilt over failed romantic relationships. I realize that it's not all my fault because it takes two to tango. As long as I do what I can to 
either forgive the person or apologize, grow and change, then no, I'm no longer carrying that, that energy. It's on the other person if they don't want to talk to me anymore or they don't want to have anything to do with me or try again. That's, that's not my fault. It's taken a long time for me to realize that it's not my fault. So I'm learning how to let go and forgive myself through this course too. Wonderful, Chris. And that is a huge aha moment for you to understand forgiveness. Congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Chris, for sharing that because you're underscoring a very important, did I say important? Important. (laughs) Important aspect. We all know what tooth decay is, right? If I don't brush my teeth often enough and if I don't go to the dentist often enough and I don't get my teeth checked by someone who knows what they're looking for, nine out of ten, I have no idea I have a cavity until that one day where I wake up going, holy shit. (laughs) Right? Right. Anybody else experienced something along that line? You've had a, a little ache and pain that you may have ignored and you ignored because you're too busy or you don't have enough time or you don't blah, blah, blah. You've ignored it. And then one day your body just says, excuse me, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Part of my process, worth decay, sometimes has very deep, dark roots. Part of the timeline journey is to get into your roots, get into that, what's the origins of things, the root cause analysis sort of concept. As we get in touch with what those roots are, Marsha, again, I want to reiterate how important it is what you said. When a bomb goes off, when a really bad feeling comes over because of memories that have come up, to just acknowledge them, journal them, write them down, note them somehow, give your conscious the affirmation it's seeking, that you're being aware of what's going on. I don't know about you all, but if my mind is worried that I'm going to forget something, it'll remind me, and then it'll remind me again, and then it'll remind me again, and oh, God. (laughs) It's like, look, I wrote it down, damn it, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) As we get into this, and as we get into some of these areas where, wow, I've got some spring cleaning to do. When we get to that point of doing the spring cleaning, it's much easier because it's already been in the more conscious realm for a couple of months now. Chapter 4, Chapter 5, Chapter 6. We've got plenty of time for the stuff that comes up for you while you're doing the timeline. I encourage you to have a three-ring binder or something, a journal, a diary, Something so that as things pop up, jot them down so that we can use that rich material as we get into the next steps. Okay, lecture done. Sorry, I got really passionate about that. (laughs) (laughs) Other thoughts, other reflections? You know, so I really want to thank you for Chapter 6, the exercises with the mental laundry, because it was like a real awakening to understand that the divine is always wanting to give us forgiveness, always wanting to give us love. And it's just our job, I'm going to call it duty, it's our duty to accept that, to accept it, if we want to be part of that. That was such an aha moment. It's not like I have to sit there and work myself over with, oh my gosh, I don't deserve it, look at what I've done. No. Once I understood 
the divine wants to give that forgiveness. Just accept it. It was done. Poof. That was perfect. I'm still trying to understand forgiveness myself. I don't feel like I've done anything wrong, so I don't feel the need to have to forgive myself because I've never hurt anyone intentionally. Mm-hmm. I've never went out intentionally to be bad to people or hurt people. And I think the forgiveness thing for me is a religious thing where that they've told us that we're inferior and that we have to bow down to some in- superior energy or force that it's okay that force will forgive us well i don't want forgiveness from that force or whatever it people are labeling as i don't feel like i need the forgiveness i don't feel like i want it i don't feel like i've done anything wrong i think it's like a religious view or something to me i don't know about anyone else but it's sort of like weird to me that i would ask for forgiveness when I've done nothing wrong. Rick, you're at the risk of us jumping too far ahead, and I feel everybody getting out their books and starting to look at chapters. And just, 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 just look at this, this is amazing. Your first observation, Rick, was spot on. Yeah. I'm going to remind everyone something I've said almost in every other class. I come from the perspective that we're all perfect, period. I am sourced from perfection, therefore I am perfect. Have I done something that's less than perfect? Well, that's my own ego trying to get a hold of me and control me. So have you done anything wrong? Again, that's an ego-based conversation. There's a desire to judge something, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, Rick, you saying you don't need to be forgiven by some spiritual, something that needs to bestow upon you forgiveness, I concur. Because as you will hear in Team Clarity's show for week 28, exercise 22, mental laundry fluff and fold, Marsha, would you like to just share that little aha that happened for you around forgiveness? I mean, you've skirted around it, but it kind of blew your mind. Yeah, it did. Well, the aha moment that I had was that It's just a state of being all the time that, I mean, we have the word forgiveness, yes. It's actually a state of being that just surrounds you. So there is no need to be forgiven or ask anybody to forgive me. So that was an aha moment for me because I realized that everything's a choice. If I choose not to forgive, that's a choice. If I choose to forgive, That's a choice, but how about the other choice where I just know it's there always. It's an ever-flowing grace that is constantly in motion. It will be that way till the end of time. Right. So it's a concept that, honestly, it was one of those aha moments for me when I thought about it. Wow, you know what? I don't even have to really sit here and judge myself because I have never been judged. I've always just been loved. That unconditional love is always in motion. Good grief. Then that means if you're surrounded with unconditional love, then there is no need for forgiveness because it's already a given with whatever that concept, that idea is, that man-made of forgiveness. Exactly. As I dive into my timeline, I realize that regardless of what my 
diagnosis and my doctors tell me about my diagnosis, I do remember things from when I was very, very young. And I remember some of those things very vividly. That was a part of the stigma, a part of the dogma that I've been fed for years and years and years. When you have something neurologically wrong with you, when you have uncontrolled seizures, your memory is no longer any good. Mm. I proved that wrong this week. I proved that thought wrong this week because I can remember. I can remember, and that felt good. I've also noticed over the week that there's a lot of other ego-based stuff that's coming up in me that really might not have to do with the timeline, but it has to do with the fact, as I've said before, that pay me what I'm worth is in my life. Well, the dance continues with the ego. (laughs) (laughs) And I've even noticed over the last week, I've been able to look back on the last month, how self-pity has been, ego's really been destroying me, destroying my business through self-pity. And I've been allowing it. I take 100% responsibility for it. I never realized that. It never was clear until today. Well, Tanya, you bring up a very interesting little popcorn idea here. One student, after all was said and done, we went through all of our steps on the Worth timeline. She took out a skein of fairly bulky red yarn. She charted out like a little spiky seismographic thing, her feelings of pity across everything. Yes. And it blew her mind how much her ego had tried to keep her in feeling so worthless. It's that tactile thing. It's that visual thing. It's that we have it in our heads, don't we? Yes. It's like... It's happening in our heads, in pictures, in verbs, in visuals, in smells, in all of that stuff is just constantly blenderizing in our heads, right? Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's so easy to mask. It's so easy to go unnoticed just how much ego is going, neener, neener, neener. (laughs) Isn't that the damn truth? (laughs) Jeez. I think the ego going crazy in a lot of these pictures that are going out of whack, whether it be ascension thing, one of the five senses, happens because we have too much of an analyzer going on. We sit there and we say why and how and try and figure out all the details. Regardless of that, I found that the more I try and analyze something and find all the reasons and all the what ifs and how and could be, it really doesn't amount to anything productive. I sat there and just started creating a bunch of ideas that weren't really real in the first place. So I think the best way to shut the ego up is to turn the analyzer off as much as possible. Yes. Starve the analyzer, starve the ego. Yep. <laughs> I, I'd say they're one and the same almost. Mm-hmm. Marsha, you told me no one in this team has any problems with analyzing. I don't know. <laughs> I Isn't that you. an analytical statement? <laughs> Is that guy an analyzer? I need to analyze that. Wait, is he an analyzer? Analyzing. Are you an analyzer, Kareem? I don't know. Let me find out. Oh, wait. (laughs) Processing, processing. 
Your little wheel is spinning, processing. Quantitative data. Quantitative data. <laughs> oh, you're going to find that your it. timeline is going to literally blow up your analyzer because as you get curious about everything, everything you put on the timeline, you just get naturally curious about. If you were to analyze even one point on your timeline, just one single solitary point, if you were to analyze it properly, you could devote your entire life to it. Wow. I don't Put have time for that. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, stop and think about it. One person, if you were to just take one relationship you have that you're going to plot on your timeline, one person, you became truly an explorer with that person. You wanted to learn everything about that person. Everything. Do you have enough time in a day, enough months in the year to learn everything you would really need to know about that one person to form an objective understanding of them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Does that help relieve the need to analyze? Yes. Uh, it does that. For me, it also relieves this wanting to control everything. Can you tell I'm sifting things out, I'm sifting things out, I'm sifting things out, and I'm imploring you to release the need to assign a judgment to what you've sifted out, right? Right. It could be very easy to go through the timeline. That's good, that's bad, that's good, that's bad, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's good, that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Kareem said, what would that accomplish, right? Right. If you were to take one example in your own life where you purposefully hurt someone that you've labeled as wrong, and you yes. cut loose your explorer, you really cut loose your explorer, you start going down all the cracks and crevices of what led up to that one action, because that one action was predicated on literally thousands of other actions, decisions, true? True. Yeah, it was predicated on some emotions and some false beliefs. As we start exploring those false beliefs, again, it's so easy to let our explorer go, Yeah. well, I could spend the time doing that. End result is, I know I shouldn't do that. Therefore, I really don't Mm -hmm. need to spend any more time on this. Right? That's where I come from. Perfect. What Kareem is bringing up, this is, again, a nice nuance to our timeline journey. As we get into the next steps where you're starting to look at the significance of your physical stuff in your life, as you start getting into the relationships, oftentimes relationships bring physical stuff into our life, right? (laughs) I've asked people to go through their home, do a genealogy on literally everything that's in their home. Where did that book come from? Where did that ring come from? Where did this come from? Where It came through some other interaction of some person. Some person either inspired me to buy it or some person gave it to me as a gift. It got into my home somehow. Who inspired it, right? Right. So if you do a genealogy tree of all of your stuff, as I begin to look at who gave me that, who gave me this, what were the expectations behind that? What did they think was going to happen when I received this? What did I think was going to happen when I bought that? It really opens me up to see just how much I'm trying to feed my worth decay. If I have more stuff, if I have more expensive stuff, 
if I have more expensive, expensive stuff, I'm worth it, right? Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I will, in the form of transparency, there was a time in my life when I was doing consulting with, because of what I was charging, who I was working with, if I didn't show up in what was clearly a custom-tailored suit, and the people who knew would know that that custom-tailored suit was at least a three to $4,000 suit. I didn't have the $700 writing instrument in the $1,200 legal pad portfolio with the $1,400 pair of shoes. I'm not going to get the contract because that's how they perceived my value. Follow? Yes. That almost killed me. If I had kept up with that line, if I had kept up with that path, if I had kept up with what society deems as success, I had a gorgeous house, fabulous car, taking extraordinary vacations every three or four months, dropping money like you wouldn't believe it on parties and dinners. I had what most people, at least from a media standpoint, at least in Western media standpoint, I had a life that everyone would think, why on God's green earth would you give it up? I gave it up because I knew if I continued on, I would be dead very early on. I wouldn't have the pleasure of meeting each and every one of you. I can think of many reasons why you gave up that life. I've seen many people live that way. I've even been at people's houses that have had three cars in the driveway. The big house guy I know is $17,000 on a marble countertop, like real marble. Oh. I'm like, does this make you happy? Bingo. And you know what? He was an alcoholic. His wife left him. His kids wanted nothing to do with him. I said, you know what, I want to be rich, but I don't want to live like this. That was my thought that went into my head. Yeah, I'm going to buy a house, but I don't need all those toys. I don't need a $17,000 countertop. Are you kidding me? That $17,000 could go to an animal shelter, to donating money to the food banks in my community. That's what wealth is for. If we don't exercise that knowledge of wealth, we're going to lose it. If you're greedy with money... The universe will take it from you. That's how it works. I'm thankful there's people, Bob Proctor out there, Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, people like yourself, who teach us what being wealthy is really all about. Thank you. Well, in gratitude, I bow to you all, because as I ponder the notion that each of you, where you're at right now in your journey with Pay Me What I'm Worth, with Marsha as your wonderful teacher, you are already helping this world be a better place. That thrills me to no end. Where you're at right now, what you're capable of doing never rusts. It's never out of style or fashion. It cannot be stolen. All of the different angles of which material things can decay. We worry about it being misplaced or misrepresented or misused. As you're blossoming into your potential, the gifts you're bringing out into this world so overwhelms me with joy. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, 
Before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.